Hi, you're listening to What's the Schemata, a schema therapy podcast for therapists. With ISST-accredited schema therapy supervisors and trainers, Chris Hayes and Rob Brockman. For more information on schema therapy, visit our website, schematherapytraining.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to What's the Schemata. This is the monthly um, talk fest of schema therapy, and I'm here with Dr. Robert Brockman, the mode monolith. Uh, come on, give me something back. Come on, <laughs> got anything for me? All I came up with is is that uh, I'm here with Chris Hayes, the the crown prince of schema. Oh, Chris Hayes. Yes, I've been working on this for like six weeks. <laughs> That's all I got for now. A couple of a couple of weeks ago, I called um, Rob the Sultan of Schema. So um, I got to lift my game. I got to lift my game. I was thinking about uh, about it for the last six weeks, off and on, but I didn't lock anything in. <laughs> this might but, be a running a running theme in our future sessions. Yeah, it's, it's but it's good recording. to see you, man. It's really good mm. to see you again. And um, we, you know, we're in the wind down a little bit uh, for the year, and yeah. probably in a bit of a review mode and thinking about how things have been going and different themes that have been coming up in and, and supervision we, and training and schema yeah and we wanted to say um thanks to everyone that's been listening like um we don't take you for granted and there's two schema therapy hacks talking about schema therapy uh there are you know surprisingly um you know a lot of people that do listen to this and we really appreciate listening get you listening to us and um yeah, and we really uh, hope uh, if you want to contact us and give you give us ideas about future podcasts, um, you know, we really value your uh, what is it, your listening feedback, feedback, and yeah, we, we and positive affirmations, of course, are always yeah, welcome. That's nice. Yeah. Wow. So, what's up today, mate? Well, I guess we're just in this kind of review mode, and something that came up between the two of us was case formulation, and. Yeah. Maybe the the importance of this in our work and and the preciseness or, or the, let's let's call it the precision actually yeah. uh, of case formulation and schema. Um, I'm very biased. I always start with that, but but that's one of the things that really attracted me to schema was um, how precise the case for formulation approach is, and all the bells and whistles that you have at your disposal to really understand the client. Um, so I think we wanted to get into that a bit. And, hmm. of course, we keep bringing up, we have this new book coming out. I think we have about a bit of a date in mind. It looks like June 2023, uh, the Cambridge Guide to Schema Therapy is coming out. Very exciting. And I guess um, one of the reasons why we, you know, for me at least, I thought this would be good is that a lot of the time supervisees that I have, there's a real focus on um, the techniques and um, you know, sort of approach, you know, approaches like imagery or chair work or cognitive interventions. And, you know, sometimes everything is sort of built on the case formulation for these clients. And I guess there's a certain style, that, you know, to think things through like a schema therapist. There's, you know, particular things we're looking for. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the reasons for, for myself. It's, you know, a couple of my supervisees, we've been talking about this in the last couple of weeks about sort of firming up. Uh, and locking down, you know, tighter formulations that that will help the whole system, the whole therapy, yeah. kind of, you know, move forward. You know, yeah. so uh, and this is based too on like the models de developed by Jeff Young, and he's really, really 
I mean, I feel like um, really strict on this, like that the, the, the therapy has to be conceptualization driven. I mean, have you heard him talk about this? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you you know, one of the key things I really took was that, you know, you really need to kind of have a really good idea about where the origins of this sort of stuff. So we kind of, we are sort of delving in a little bit into assessment too, to some extent. But, you know, if you don't have a real, you know, clear understanding about where particular schemas and modes and life patterns are coming from, then we need to kind of tighten that up and, and it has to be shared with the client. Yeah. And that's yeah. something that's really So important. we have this other... Um, channel it's a youtube channel right you can search it up it's called um, schema therapy training online right on youtube and on there we have these things we call schema therapy hacks right for, for if you haven't seen them already but on one of them we did is schema therapy hacks uh to do with getting a very clear list of key problem areas uh and helping this drive the assessment so so um probably a bit of pre pre reading here um Right, because uh, it, at least how it's come across, like we, we sort of worked on this in the book in trying to come up with the case conceptualization, we're, we're, we're really driven by this idea of key problem areas. So having a specific set of problem areas that the client wants to work on, like kind of as a baseline. Now, this is actually one of the areas that people can get stuck, right? Right from the very get-go. Yeah, Chris, yeah. like in a, yeah. a supervisee's, yeah, it's really interesting. Like um, the guys that I do supervision, supervisation, supervision. We're with. coming up. This is like a Friday, guys. And I know. Just, it's Friday. Know, our English we're, language is not the best. <laughs> no, we're, we're sort of <laughs> You're going on holidays next week. I'm on holidays next week, so we're just spluttering and just, just about to land the plane to refuel. Um, and with supervision, yeah, it's often very easy to go straight into per people's backgrounds. And I often will hold people up, and people, you know, know, you know, know this, you know, when working with me, that I might stay a hey, slow down time while they come to see you. You know, what's mm -hmm. the presenting problem? Because I always took something from Arden Arts, you know, a while a while ago, where he was talking about you can't solve a problem if you don't know what the problem is. So that's, I guess, with case formulation, a lot of that is really, that's the first step. The first thing is kind of like why they come to you, get a problem list, you have a, you mm. know, two or three key problems that they're driving. So mm. not so much, you know, person has an undefined sense of self that, that you know, once someone wrote that as a problem and I'm like, eh, is she coming to, is she it's saying kind that? Of, it is kind of vague or it yeah. feels like it's been like learned or something. Yeah, well, it's a th the therapist has said that's the problem. So I would say, okay, what mm. what that what does that look like for the client? So kind of you know, so undefined sense of self might be you know, put, you know, really you know, great difficulty making life decisions or something. Great, mm. okay, that mm. sounds like a problem that we can work with. Yeah. So the first thing I would initially start with is, yeah, like you said, sort of getting a a, a clear set of problems, like two mm. or three clear angles. It might change as you go. I can't help myself. We have a little segue that just popped into my mind mm. related to this because this is really important. Like if if things aren't really a problem, like there's all sorts of things mm. in life that we might do or experience or that might have happened. Yeah. Let's say, for example, I have tr um, childhood trauma. Mm. Okay. And I come to therapy and I tell you about my childhood trauma and I say, you know, People have told me that I should I should go and address that. Like I should I should do this imagery, right? Now, it might sound like a good idea on the surface, but I guess what I'm getting at is, uh, when should we do that? When should we address childhood trauma? 
Well, I guess it's about the problem. Like, I mean, you know, if someone was if someone said that, I'd be like, well, that's all nice, but is it problematic? How you, you know, does it bother you now? You know, do you have symptoms? How does it, how does it affect how you feel? Yeah. What's the what's the legacy from that? Some people's yeah. legacies are healed and, and processed, and they come to terms with things, and they can look back at stuff. And you know, so I, I'd be kind of going, yeah, okay. Well, if we did look at that. You know, and, and some some people might think think that way as, as well. They've had something difficult that's happened to them, or some sort of event. I, I would I would sort of still be looking like, oh, what's the what's the legacy? What's what's the yeah. problem? And if there wasn't, if it was like nothing, it's all it's all good oh. now. But I just have this. People tell me that I should, and so I'm here and yeah. to do the, to do the work. You know? Yeah, I, I would be. Well, you know, I, I think that that's kind of um, what who's who's driving that. And if someone doesn't yeah. have a problem, it's it could be a coping mode. Someone <sighs> saying, "I'm fine, I'm fine." Everyone tells me, "I'm you know, I need to yeah. sort my stuff yeah. out." But then I would be still kind of going, "Okay, well, you know, you're allowed to have, you know, you're allowed to not talk about things. And if you do or you yeah. don't, it's up to you. But you know, how's this working for you?" But it's really important to, to be able to link, okay, you've had this trauma, what, what's the legacy, what's the problem here? I mean, because a lot of, unfortunately, way too many kids um, go through trauma, go through neglect and all these things. Um, and if there's no problem attached to this, maybe we, we should take a step back? Yeah, I just sort of look for the the issues what they're coming to you for, you know, and, and rather yeah. than just seeing oh they've got trauma, and then suddenly you know we have to focus on X Y Z. It's 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 more about what what's happening for you right now, and and working from there. That's how I would see things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then this comes back to it was a little bit of a segue, but it, it, we we come back around in circle because um, this is one of the ways that schema therapists can get stuck. That you see the trauma, you see you know certain patterns and you go in for a treatment uh, without, without having a, a clear agreed to set of problems. Um, partly that's a problem because you wouldn't know when the therapy would finish. Mm. So if you had, if you had, uh, let's say childhood tra- traumatic experiences, but there was no problem with that at the moment, then how would we know when the therapy would end? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And how, yeah, so, if, if you're being helpful, yeah. So you sometimes get supervisees coming and and they have very vague, um, a very vague understanding of um, what is the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the client might come and just start talking about the childhood, or they might be, you know, focusing on other aspects. But there's no explicit sort of here. Here is a set of problems we need to focus yeah. on. So, this is one of the areas, and um, and that you know, it's not to say that it's an easy thing. It, sometimes clients can be. Um, you know, distracting you or uh, avoiding things, or you know, all sorts of stuff can show up. Which I've got a, I've got a, l- a lovely client who um, sends sends me memes, and um, she sent me this particular meme and has this person looking at this. It looks like they're looking at the sun. This really, you know, kind of dazed and you know, intense look in their face, and it sort of says underneath it says, you know, when your therapist ignores your decoy issue and focuses <laughs> on the real issue <laughs> i love i and love these memes I so love i'm kind memes. of like always talking about is this a decoy issue or is this the yeah. is this a problem is this is this what you really need to talk about so and yeah. it helps you kind of focus if you've got these kind of key things that you want to work but on but i don't know about you but there's a particular feeling i get because i mean it happens to all of us you, you get to this place sometimes in therapy and you're like what are we what are we folk actually what are we doing here i know i've got all these tricks we can do imagery we can do chairs we can do all these things uh, but what for? What what are we sort of what are we trying to achieve here? Yeah. And yeah. and the feeling, I don't know if you get this, it just feels almost 
bit directionless or something. Yeah. 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 Do you, do getting, you get that too? Yeah, absolutely. And that's when, you know, I think clarification of what, what, what are we trying to do? That's achieve. a sign often to go, okay, let's step back. What, yeah. what do we have an agreed sort of problem? Okay. Yeah. And these goals so, will change, you know, and these problems might change over time. Yeah. So again, yeah. check out our YouTube channel for uh, for more like that information about um, how that might look. Really digging mm. digging into that. Um, so, okay, from this set of problems, then we're going to link to the mode mapping. Yeah. So so we net we then want to be able to link these problems to a set of modes, set of schemas, essentially a case conceptualization. We need to mm. be able to explain um, the problems in terms of the conceptualization. Another thing we kind of really wanted to um, around this as well, and it's probably one of the what if um, questions that we get from people that are learning the model is, you know, you know, what if I don't know the origins of particular schemas and modes? And I think that is a bit of a problem. You know, you know, if you've got a presenting, you know, issue and a client saying, oh, I don't know why I'm so angry at myself or I don't know why I'm so self-sacrificing, Mm. You do have to spend time to at least have a bit of a hypothesis around this um, about why they don't know. Like, well, like- sometimes it's like easy because it's like this stuff happening to someone. So if you can remember dad blaming you and that it was very high standards, and you've modeled that and, and you communicate that to the client, and they mm. say, "Yeah, that feels kind of like right." That's great, mm. but sometimes it's it's more subtle. It's it's stuff that isn't happening, maybe. Mm. So maybe a kid who's really, you know, watched his, you know, peers and they're all angry at him or himself and he starts to internalise that and maybe the kid starts internalising that and the parents don't the notice parents that ju- Yeah, himself. don't notice or the parents yeah. just beat themselves up. And yeah, then, or they so might then, model that. Yeah. Yeah. So you might get a kid who's angry at themselves and takes it out on themselves and, you know, a parent just doesn't even notice that they're doing it and then suddenly it sort of metastasizes as opposed to, you know, hey, listen, I don't like you talk, treating yourself like that. I don't like you talking to yourself like that. You know, you need to be kinder mm-hmm. to yourself. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's often things that aren't happening that could be so, um, origins. So I guess once you've got this problem list, the next, well, one of the one of the tasks that you have to lead up to in your assessment and then, is sharing the conceptualization yeah. with the client yeah. and, and via what we call a mode map. So we like to use the mode mapping in schema as a way of communicating and saying, hey, you know, this is what this is what I'm hearing, this is what I see as a sort of what's happening for you. Can we collaborate around this? Um, and so what you're sort of alluding to, so so in this mode mapping, now there's diff- we can talk about this in a moment. There's different ways to convey this, right? You can convey it on the board, you can convey it on a form, you can tell a story like a narrative. Hey, you know, um, there's a little girl named Jenny, and you know, yeah, she's growing up. You know, yeah. once upon a time type thing. So either way, you have to get this across. Now, what the way I think, and I wonder what you think, Chris. I don't know. We've talked about this. The way I think about it is like as you're conveying the whole formulation or the whole mode map. I think about it as like getting them to endorse each part. And there, there'll be particular problems in this process of like the client collaborating or owning owning up to bits of the formulation. Yeah. So what you're talking about is like what I would call the right hand side of the formulation, meaning on our on our mode map forms, it's that side of the formulation that talks about the family of origin and like where the schemas came from, right? And if if there's some level of like coping modes or denial or avoidance or detachment around that stuff that can make it really hard 
right? It's yeah. really hard to engage, for example, in let's do an imagery rescript of the past, like if there's no past, like if I, if I can't acknowledge this. And sometimes these coping styles can start really early. So you end up, you know, I can't remember my childhood. I don't know. I don't know this sort of stuff. So it could be a coping, an early coping mode that sort of blocked off stuff. I mean, we also were talking a little bit uh, about, you know, loyalty to parents and caregivers. That can be an issue around getting So this a is probably assessment. the biggest thing. This is probably mm. the biggest, like, I wouldn't say it's the only problem to where you get blocked from the history, but it's one of the big ticket items, isn't it? Where where mm. the client would, wouldn't want to acknowledge that side due to some form of loyalty. To the to the parents and the family, yeah. So I guess you know we, you know with all this sort of stuff, we're not trying to demonise any caregivers, and you need to kind of keep that in mind. It's just about sort of trying to understand what's happened to you. I really like that idea, right? There's, that's something that um, therapists in um, in Australia, uh, you know, work with. He, um, he he talked about this what what happened what has happened to you idea rather than what's wrong with you. You know, and yeah. a lot, what's happened to you is a great conceptualization framework question to ask, you know, what's happened for you to have these schemas and these modes and this way of being. And also that idea, I think Wendy Bahari talks about this idea of the once upon a time. You can think of like the kid, everyone's got a vulnerable child mode. Everyone's got an ang- angry child mode. Everyone's got a happy child mode. That's in- innate. But then, you know, once upon a time as a kid had these experiences and he learned very quickly to, you know, to, to shut the feelings down or how to be on top of things mm. and you can sort of layer it up over time. And then what, you know, when he was in his early you know, teens, he started to be very angry and critical. He had to internalise dad's voice. So this is the idea of kind of layering and the once upon a time story could be another quick way to sort of start formulating. But going back to the loyalty thing, I don't know if you got any, you know, comment. I mean, on- it's a considerable problem. Like yeah. if the client won't own up to there being problems. And yeah. I mean, so often, I mean, it's happened a few times where they'll say, okay, the key problems, yes, these are problems. So whatever it might be, I'm gambling, mm. um, you know, um, panic attacks, you know, mm. feel lonely, all that kind of mm. stuff. Mm. Uh, they, 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 they'll go with the modes. They go, yep, I've got the critic, I've got the angry child you know vulnerable child they go with that right mm. uh, coping modes but when you get to the piece about the family of origin they go mm, yeah no yeah no no i can't i can't go along with that that, that makes sense can't, can't right, so so this yeah. is what it is mm. um so i guess the other thing to bring up at this point is like you kind of alluded to it a little bit sometimes we can talk about this schema gets a bit of a bad rap as being like the parent bashing therapy and it shouldn't be. I don't, you know, right. I don't think it it needs to be. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I've taken much more of empathic, obviously, yeah. with both of us being um, fathers. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, it's perfect, you know. Parenting is very you have to have empathy set for of behaviours. Yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> and you have to have empathy for the, you know, even for the most difficult kind of clients. I mean, often you have a client who's had a, you know, very punitive parenting, but they might have had a, very unwell and very, you know, um, it might be really unintended, you know, kind of, it might be you know, the clients, the adult client, you know, the, yeah. parent, the parent is being in, you know, in parenting in angry child mode. They're just overwhelmed. But um, it's had the the effect on a child, effects Y Z. So, yeah, but I, I do mm. think that, you know, you can work around that, can't you? Because I think, you know, in some ways, like if often with uh, case conceptualization, and we talked about loyalty, you could formulate that in a mode way. So you could be saying, okay, so if you started to talk and own and accept that 
you know, people in your life had done X, Y, Z, what does the, what does the punishing critic say about you talking mm. about that? Or what does the mm. detached protector say oh, the, about the that? The guilt-inducing. Yeah. I, often, I often find it's a guilt-inducing Yeah, thing, so it right? could be the guilt-inducing thing or the punitive I'm feeling selfish. Thing. I'm feeling, yeah. uh, you know, now I'm a bad, I'm a bad daughter, I'm a bad, bad son for, for talking about this. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I may even get angry at you. Yeah. You know, yeah. for 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 um acknowledging imperfections in the parents. Yeah. So it's something to bring up. I I've always found it's okay. I mean, if you get a sense of that at all, just to to rely on compassion. Hmm. So wheel it back a bit. It might be that you've overshot the mark a little bit in terms of like, you know, there can be a vibe sometimes in scheme of like, what's wrong with you? Hmm. Like hmm. In mm. some of the imagery dialogues, and it just probably means you're overshooting the mark. Like maybe it's more like, "Hey, you know, this isn't too cool. Like this is not helping little Johnny. I know you mean well." So it's like, it's like coming in more with that empathic, yeah. Uh, you could say even empathic confrontation approach. Yeah. Um, but I, I was all, I always remember Jeff Young has this video. It was the first video I saw of him actually, and it, and it's actually the first thing I saw of Schema. It was an old APA video. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, got is it. Yeah. Is it not Jan little Lucy? It's little Jan Janice or um anyway. Tar baby video. Yeah, the tar baby. Yeah. yeah. And she gets angry at him actually for going at the mum. And then he, he sort of responds by saying, she says, Well, you know, but he sort of responds, the vibe I got out of that was like the responsibility. She goes, You you you're making mum responsible. And he's like, Well, that's where it has to go. Like you, you're the child. So what I got out of that was like He's sort of saying, in your mind, when you make attributions, the child made an attribution, which was was your fault. Yeah. But but we have to put that attribution on the parent, not not to demonise them, just to say, hey, you were the parent, right? You have to take responsibility for that. Um, in other words, th- what I got out of it was, the brain will do the math. It's someone is responsible. <laughs> now the child thinks it's done them. Hmm. What do they call you that? Know? They call the um, the fundamental attribution error. Isn't it? That's where I picked that up. The idea that, you know, dad doesn't like me or dad's telling me often says I'm bad. That means I'm bad. Or dad hates me. And dad hates me. Then I'm a bad kid rather than, you know, they don't have theory of mind to be able to go, "Mm, well, dad, maybe you should talk to your psychologist about that. Maybe you (laughs) you can deal with your issues. Or dad, you need some perspective taking, dad. A six-year-old doesn't say that. Six-year-old doesn't say that, right? Or a four-year-old definitely doesn't say it. So, but, you know, I guess with loyalty, the, the other thing we often see is cultural elements. You know, you've got a bit of a background of the, you know, um, you know, you're working with cultural elements to things, but, you know, that could act, be an extra layer of loyalty too, yeah? Yeah, this is really complex, isn't it? Um, I don't know if we shared the, um, the paper with our listeners from earlier this year. Um, we, did a, we did a paper, a qualitative paper, Working with some of our colleagues um, in Hong Kong and Singapore, and so I might, I might, we put that up on the on the podcast um, uh, extras. But um, yeah, this can be another element, right? Because sometimes the sense of you know loyalty can come from a, more of a cultural message. Um, so particularly in the, in the paper, we looked at um, Asian cultural background particularly um, what you might think of as, as, a, as a Chinese cultural background. Yeah. So those kind of cultural values uh, are common in various places in Asia, including places like, of course, China, but also Hong Kong, Singapore, Taiwan, places like that. Um, and so, so yeah, there's a real cultural message to this. And um, 
what one of the issues is uh, they call it uh, filial piety. So so it's um, a sort of being filial to your parents is 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 a duty, you know, kind of thing within that cultural framework, cultural dimension. So, so sometimes you're a, really pushing conf- into. Is yeah. that a Confucianism? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, totally. Possibly. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's a it's a conf- Confucianism. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So, so I mean, that's tough too if you're not from the culture, because mm. then it, it becomes almost like a colonial thing. Like I'm here with my schema saying, you know, yeah. uh, sort of shouldn't be doing that or that's bad, and then yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, these are just added layers, I guess, that can make it more difficult. Um, to to get some some leeway on that. Uh, what what I've found useful in this loyalty space is to pin it to modes. So to say, hey, you know, what are the modes that are causing this loyalty issue? Often it's a critic. So right. often it's it's right that uh, talking about this stuff, acknowledging mum's mum's uh, role in this makes me feel bad. Yeah. You know, it makes me feel like a bad person, a bad daughter. And so addressing the critic aspect. So it's kind um, of a, it's a it's a sort of a dual process, really. You know, we're trying to find the origins of modes and schemas, but then yeah. when when we are trying to find the origins of these schemas, the the modes and schemas get activated, so we can start just working with the modes because obviously the modes or the schemas that are there, they are quite evident. We can see that happening. We can see it getting activated. So yeah, nice piece. That's cool. Um, so, guess let's think of some other kind of common therapy issues in terms of case formulation. Um, you know, um, I guess the big thing for me is like case conceptualization. If you don't have that kind of sorted it out, like there's a beginning, you know, you know, and, and kind of a you know, there's a story, you know, beginning of the story and the middle of the story and the end of the story in terms of the clients presenting to you, and you don't have an understanding of you know, what the key schemes and modes are there and where they come from. It's kind of like building something on sand a little bit. Mm. And if when you go into kind of doing the work, which is kind of like doing, you know, mm. either experiential or cognitive behaviour or, you know, looking at mm. the relationship, it's kind of, it's not very clear why you, what you're trying to achieve. So it's, um, it's it, I, I see a lot of the time people skipping over the case conceptualization. Mm. The clients don't know their schemes. They don't know what they're trying to achieve. They don't know their problems to get into things like imagery because it kind of it's probably more sexier. And, you know, maybe, maybe also we've, we've, we as trainers are really trying to encourage people to do things like Well, they've this. just done your course, Chris, on yeah. imagery scripting. And then, but yeah. where you go? Okay, and you then see they, the trauma. And they want and then... to get in there. Yeah. So I, I would want, you know, the listener at least to think, you know, if I'm doing imagery, what am I trying to achieve based on the formulation, you know? So yeah. I'm so we to- call these treatment objectives. And like, yeah. so this is, this is something that's in the ISST um, paperwork, you know, for yeah. the full case conceptualization. And yeah. they've made it really clear now. We, we have to be able to come up with clear treatment objectives which will drive the treatment. So, so this is the next layer. We've got we've got the key problem areas. We've got the case formulation, right? The mode mapping process, and then we we have treatment objectives. So maybe we can bounce this a little bit. This is this is actually um, something that, that yeah we we wrote about in the book, and there's a whole chapter on case formulation. Um, but it really got me thinking a lot, Chris, in my own practice about how to be really precise with these objectives. So what what I found with themes so that that cut across cases, so that 
treatment objectives tended to be um, repeatable or, or there, were, there were common themes in the treatment objectives. The first one that I tend to write a lot is um, uh, building mode awareness. So, so this is almost a universal treatment objective in schema. Um, all, all of the clients should be uh, building mode awareness, right? They're having awareness of those modes, those schemas, those needs that are impacting on the problems. So at the start of the therapy, you might be using chair work to help a client be more aware of their modes. Well, there's lots of things you could do. Yep. So a treatment objective isn't a technique. It doesn't tell mm. you like exactly what you should do, yep. but you should. Yep. You could come up with 100 things to do to yep. build mode yep. awareness, exactly. depending on exactly. the client's situation yep. and their attributes. Yep. So what are some things you could write? So you mentioned some things. So the mode mapping itself yep. is building mode awareness. Yep. Um, could be self-monitoring. It could be chair work. You know, when you're doing, you mentioned chair work. It could be mm. like interviewing the detached protector and mm. saying, hey, mm. you know, where did you come from? And yeah, sure. like, right. So there, there, there could be various things we do to build mode awareness. Um, uh, so that's a, that's a universal one. The, the other one I, and we, again, this is on one of our hacks on, on YouTube, um, is the how universal the critic is. So this often comes up as a, um, a big objective, right? You know, to deal with the critic. And the way I frame this, I wonder what you what you think, um, Chris. This is this is literally how I frame it just about every time now. Uh, reducing the power and dominance of of the critic and increasing healthy self compassion. Sounds good. So this is this is almost universal. As long as a client has a strong critic experience driving the problems, this is this would be one of my objectives. The objective, and then yeah, a number of different ways of reaching that objective. For the well, who knows? Yeah, you could come up with so many things. Well, that's it. I mean, the implication is then okay, that's the objective. I'm going to scroll through, you know, cognitive, limited parenting, behavioral, emotion focused stuff. Yeah. But you could probably come up with a hundred things that might tap that process of reducing the power and dominance of the critic and increasing healthy self compassion. Yeah. Um, the other one that comes up then usually is to do with um, to do with the vulnerable child. So it'd be like, this is how I write it out anyway. Um, uh, so the objective would be healing and or managing the vulnerable child, the vulnerable child activation. All yeah, right. And so, I guess a part of that as well is um, bypassing strong coping as well so that i mean that kind of also goes with the punitive stuff as well where you you might be doing lots of experiential techniques to sort yep. of bypass that to access the yep so the bypassing philosophy is there yeah. but this leads to a third to a third so so as you as you're sort of trying to work the critic you're trying to work with a vulnerable child we have to get ready for coping mode so usually the third objective that that i find on my uh, formulation would involve coping modes. Yeah. So commonly it would be something like reducing over-reliance on avoidant coping yeah. and increasing healthy engagement with yep. like with needs. Yep. Sounds good. Yep. So that would be the third, you know, so you, you can reframe those kind of objectives with. Yep. So let's say, you know, let's say that, uh, someone has a strong compliance surrenderer mode. For, so for example, with a compliance surrenderer mode, It'd be so. What are we trying to do there? So we're trying to reduce an over reliance on like surrender coping, and increase healthy boundaries, healthy assertiveness, yeah, and, and become more um, 
less uh, submissive and empowered, yeah. all this sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 So that's an objective. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's all sorts of things you might do. You might um, revisit memories where you basically being dominated or powerless you might yeah. revisit uh, you might do some chair work with the guilt inducing critic you might do some um, imagery dialogues where you prepare the client to for assertive sort of yeah. dialogues so there's general kind of overarching themes and i guess also there's probably overarching objectives from you know say from imagery perspective or a chair work perspective i was thinking when you were talking that way you know, it might be more about the objective of me trying to, to you know, do imagery is I'm trying to get you to, you know, like we said before, get aware of the the origins of these schemas to to help, you know, the client. But also it could be things like one of my objectives is to reattribute, like we've talked before, or to help you feel more empowered to be able to kind of, you know, feel like this is the origins are coming from you, not me, and this sort of stuff. So they're kind of more micro objectives. That so come. could you pin that to the big objective? Is that what what would be the bigger jet? You know, if you, would it come well, back it to like cross over reducing the critic? Things. It reduce yeah. the critic. It could be that you can increase compassion. To, yeah, it could be help. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily fit with um, you know helping the client, helping their vulnerable child. It might be helping strengthen the healthy adult to be able to yeah. look after the healthy child. So, yep. I mean, ultimately, yep. that's the biggest objective really out of all this. Is probably the fourth thing on, on the list yeah. is to is to strengthen the healthy adult and yeah. and and to be able to you know, look after yourself. I mean, that's yeah, the kind yeah. of cool idea, really, isn't it? So, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I think this will show up when, you know, you, you, you're you doing a particular technique or a particular mm. approach, and the client goes, Well, why, why are we doing this? <laughs> and so, you go, I don't know. And then having this in your mind, I'm trying to do the imagery or trying yeah, to do some That's right. We're doing this imagery because we need to really be able to help that vulnerable child. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. because that that vulnerable child. I mean, that's the problem here. You you know, the activation of that is is so you know so overwhelming, and that yeah. leads to other things like your drug problem or whatever it might be. Yeah. So having that in your mind, that, that will also help sell, you know, sell the technique if you you are going to do a particular technique and you've got a rationale behind it. So having a you know, other than I just went to a workshop and thought it was a good idea. You know, doing the chair work uh-huh. thing. I'm doing chair work because X, Y, Z. That's seriously helpful. Yeah. yeah. Well, this leads to like um, this is a like this is actually a funny thing I've been thinking about lately. Like in in our therapy, and I'm sure every therapy has them. Is there these little mantras? And one that I've been pushing this year is um, uh, all roads lead to the critic. Uh, which means, yep. which means you could do a lot worse than helping the client work on their critic, getting some distance, getting some some separation. You know, working on uh, not being as dominated by that critic side. That's that's an important piece of work for just about all of our clients. So um, that's a little tip um, that I found really helpful. If you're yeah. finding, you know, sometimes there's so many problems happening mm. uh, that you're finding it a bit hard to uh, pick a target. Uh, and it's very obvious that there's a critic and it's, they're getting smashed by it. It's a good place to start. So that's one of the little mantras. And, it, and it's not only when it's obvious as well. I reckon it's obviously, um, you know, if someone's got a very strong coping mode and they're very avoidant per se, you know, maybe it's kind of, you know, finding out where the critic is backstage. Because yeah. if you're kind of constantly avoiding things, 
then you might not be saying I hate myself or I should I've got it wrong again or you know this sort of hateful kind of um, mode yeah, is because I'm overcompensating or whatever. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. So then you can kind of go, you know, go after that first, and then if you kind of deal with the kind of mm. backstage, then the, the need to be let more detached is 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 dealt with too. So and also you you're doing things that are experiential anyway. Mm. So in some mm. ways you're trying to you're killing two birds with one stone. So so I guess it made me wonder what are some other mantras like maybe we could. I've got a couple more. They tend to come up in the training, but it's kind of interesting to think about these things. What are those kind of schema mantras to keep in mind that to sort of, I guess, they're, what are they, like generalizations that can help guide, like, the therapy? One thing I, I often say is, you know, what's the function of the behavior? So in terms of formulating behaviors and formulating modes, what's what, as my old friend in um, the UK who was... Um, had a cool accent. He was, what's the function of the behavior? You know, he said that <laughs> over and over and over again for about four years and it's sort of imprinted in my mind. But it's very true in terms of like you're trying to formulate a mode. Uh, you know, what's this? What's the function of this? What's the function of What's the function of this? Yeah. Yeah. The other one that's been, uh, and I think this is a bit more universal than schema, that which speaks to like how much everyone's doing experiential things, um, is you've got to feel it to heal it. You know, I think I've been I've been banging on about that one all year kind of thing. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Do you ever use I'm that one? I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. No, that's fantastic. That's good. Yeah. Like I can see myself. Uh, uh. And the other one, you know what? Okay, this is another thing I've been using with a couple of clients as well and supervisees is in, when in doubt, zoom out. <laughs> it's something, it's something else. Guys, tell but, me. I like it. Tell me about it. That's kind of like the formulation. What's that? Like, conceptualization. Doubt, yeah, you go back to the classification ah. case conceptualization. When in doubt, zoom out and just sit down and let's look back. Yeah. I wonder if growing. I could conduct a whole therapy session by only using like these kind of mantra. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a little catchphrase. Um, awesome. What do you reckon? Okay. So you, if you think we've, I think we've covered some nice little cherries for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a bit of a review, guys. Um, yeah, we just this was just something that came up when we were finalizing the book and uh, in reviewing the year and um you're thinking about some of the things that get people stuck. But um it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Um yeah. you know, this year's been a big year. We've been talking about uh, a bunch of things in the work and um it's been a, been a pleasure again um doing that with you, Chris. And yeah, to to everyone that listens in, you know, I um it, it still surprises us when we, uh, you know, go to a workshop or something and people say, oh, listen, listen on the train or listen yeah. when I go for a jog or whatever. Um, it's It's been really, really awesome in that way. Hopefully so, we're helping people. That's yeah. what we want to do, really. We, we just want to sort of help, um, you know, people that are learning the model and get more confident with things. And whether you're listening on a beach, uh, as many of the of people in the Southern Hemisphere will be possibly uh, listening to this, or if you're freezing in the Northern Hemisphere, um, yeah, we wish you, you know, a, a nice- And connect. I mean, I, I probably, uh, look, I love helping people, but um, probably for me, it's about connection as well, you know, connecting to our colleagues, you know, around the work and- I love hearing about about you know, different struggles that they have, and you know, getting that feedback as well. So um, let's Sorry. let's wrap up. We're going to see you guys in about a month. We'll have a little bit of a hiatus, but we'll be back. Uh, the next one's going to be on schema therapy in a coaching context. So I'll be talking to one of our colleagues from New Zealand 
uh, about this topic in the next in the next couple of weeks. And uh, so you can look forward to that. Uh, don't forget that um, next year's a big year, and it's always good to have some some schema uh, CPD in the back pocket um, if you need something like that. Um, cruise over to schema therapy training online.com. We've got all sorts of stuff popping up on there. We've got um, you know, the, the main courses, of course, um, the basics, schema modes for complex cases, but also masterclasses involving things like contextual schema therapy, imagery rescripting. I have to mention, of course, um, Wendy's awesome course um, on empathic confrontation. And um, and also uh, we have a, a two-hour webinar up there at the moment on schema therapy for couples. So if there's anything like that that interests you, head over there. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next year. Okay. See you guys. Thanks for listening in. See you later. Bye.